The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Former US President Donald Trump pleaded not guilty to 34 felony counts of falsifying business records at his arraignment. Uh, despite being warned by the judge not to incite unrest with his rhetoric, Trump delivered remarks later uh, when he was safe in Mar-a-Lago criticising the case and its presiding authorities. He said an awful lot in quite a rambling speech, but let's hear some of what he had to say in Mar-a-Lago. But now they have really stepped up their efforts by indicting the 45th president of the United States who received 75 million votes, which is more than any sitting president in the history of our country. And in the wings, they've got a local racist Democrat district attorney in Atlanta who is doing everything in her power to indict me over an absolutely perfect phone call, even more perfect than the one I made with the president of Ukraine. Remember, I kept saying, that's a perfect call. This one was more perfect. (laughs) Nobody said, sir, you shouldn't say that. Many people on the phone were hung up in disgust because of something I inappropriately said, because nothing was said wrong. In fact, at the end of the call, we agreed to continue our conversation about election fraud and election fraud, specifically in Georgia, at a later time. Many people on the phone, including lots of lawyers, nobody found anything wrong with that perfect call until a book promotion tour many months later. All of a sudden, they say, you know, I remember Trump making a call. Let's look at that. This fake case was brought only to interfere with the upcoming 2024 election, and it should be dropped immediately, immediately. Extraordinary stuff indeed at Mar-a-Lago. Well, I'm joined now in studio by University of Galway Law Lecturer and Journal.ie columnist Larry Donnelly and uh, from the United States by WSHU Public Radio Managing Editor Terry Sheridan. Uh, Good morning and welcome to you both. Terry, we'll go to you first. Uh, Has the dust settled on the arraignment and uh, the Mar-a-Lago speech and uh, the analysts uh, setting to with the will? Well, I guess as far as the arraignment goes, you would say, yes, the dust has settled, at least here from a New York perspective. Um, The the protesters have left. There wasn't really much of a protest. The former president has left. So everything is pretty much back to normal in New York. As far as the Mar-a-Lago speech, I think people are still digesting that here. Um, As you said, it was somewhat rambling. It was very defiant. It seemed to go against what uh, he was warned by the judge. That is still being digested and parsed over but again he didn't he talked he sort of bookended the current indictment around a list of grievances that he's been repeating for the past several months that's still being uh, digested and and gone over here in the states um, he, he looked very low-key in the courtroom we only saw still pictures we didn't see video of the courtroom but he didn't look to be a happy man whereas his mood in Mar-a-Lago was markedly different no, he did not look to be a happy man. I think the only video that we saw, and I guess the only thing we could consider a perp walk, was when he walked the, maybe the 10 feet from the holding room into the courtroom. Uh, there is a uh, an artist drawing, a court artist drawing of the, pre- of the former president, and he looks very uh, angry in that. 
but no, it, it, he was not in control the whole time he was in that court. He couldn't stop to talk to reporters, which he wanted to do. He really couldn't say anything uh, besides not guilty and do you understand in the courtroom. He was not in control. That's something he's not used to. Mm. Um, watching him, uh, first of all, it was just an odd moment. Uh, we saw very little of him, except when he uh, exited one door and entered another door. Um, uh, he, the cameras were trying to catch a glimpse of him. He had to open the door for himself at one point. The door was swinging back towards him. And, uh, you know, it seemed very unpresidential, number one. But, he, you know, he didn't want to get whacked by the door. But then he, he was in court and it was pointed out that the Secret Service agents were quite a way back from him. They were in the courtroom, but he wasn't surrounded by them, uh, which he would be in any other environment, I suspect. And then the other amazing thing was, again, these are trifles, but heading for LaGuardia, you know, they were stuck in traffic some of the time, which was quite remarkable. You can't imagine a sitting president would have been blocked by slow, sluggish traffic on the way to LaGuardia. Uh, and then he, as he walked up the steps in a sort of a regal, slow way, he he did look like a man defeated. Then he gets off the plane in Mar-a-Lago and he's completely the opposite. These are just, as I say, uh, trifling things, but uh, we're trying to gauge all the straws in the wind. Well, yeah. And now one of the things in the motorcade, both uh, on Monday and yesterday, are very interesting. He is not the president. He's the former president. Most former presidents do not get that level of uh, of protection and do not get that motorcade where they, in some cases, shut down streets or, as you said, get stuck in traffic. But is it because he's a current presidential candidate, a declared presidential candidate? But that was something that New Yorkers were talking about. It's like, he's not the president anymore. Why are they shutting down some streets in Midtown? Why is he getting the full police presence? Um, uh, but yes, I mean, it was, he did not look happy. He did. He looked, uh, I don't want to say he looked sad. He looked frustrated. And I would say, yes, he did look a bit angry. Now, the uh, consensus is hard to find of New Yorkers because any of the Vox Pops that have been done by uh, the BBC, by Sky, by CNN themselves, by any of uh, the channels tried to, you know, mix the good and the bad uh, in uh, Trump's uh, favour or against uh, Trump. And the the crowds outside the courtroom, uh, how mixed were they? How pro-Trump were they? How anti-Trump were they? Well, first of all, the crowds were small. I have covered protests in this city for many, many years in which you had thousands or tens of thousands of people turning out for a major protest. This was in the hundreds. I would say it was slightly more in favor of Trump, but still a very small protest. There was a counter protest across the way. The police separated them in this very small park. Um, Yes, I think uh, of the people there, most were pro-Trump, but not by much. I mean, there were more reporters and there were more cops than anything else. Yeah, they uh, mobilized uh, so many cops to be in uniform and available. And maybe that was a deterrent to crowds that they uh, didn't feel maybe they would get close to the action. But indeed, they got close enough. I mean, there were people waving to the motorcade uh, encouragement to Trump as uh, it exited and headed for uh, the airport. Um, So do we know, Terry, when Trump is likely to make his next appearance? And I don't mean in court. That won't be on this case, at least until December. But uh, he's back on the road, I presume. 
Yeah, he'll be back on the road. We don't have a schedule yet of what his uh, of what his plans are. But no, I mean, again, as far as we know, he is free to travel the country. He is free to do anything you know that he wanted to do as far as his campaign appearances. But no, as far as as far as the schedule, mm. I, I I don't know of any scheduled appearances. And and finally, then uh, the Republicans, uh, to a huge extent, have circled the wagons. Even Mitt Romney, who would be an anti-Trump uh, character, saying that this was uh, overreach on the part of the, the prosecutor. Are they fearful that they might get stuck with Trump as their candidate and even, you know, some Republicans will confess that they think their candidate cannot win if it is Trump? Well, that would be me read, reading tea leaves. And again, as we know, over the past eight, not seven years, um, you can't predict what's going on with former President Trump. However, we do know that he has seen a bump in his ratings among the Republican Party. Uh, there are still about 25 percent of the Republican Party who will not vote for Trump under any circumstances. But again, we've seen a, a in the course of a month, we've seen Ron DeSantos, who had a lead over Trump, now having... A 2025 point deficit so he has seen a bump in his popularity he has also seen a major bump in his fundraising he's raised millions of dollars in the past week uh after the indictment was was announced by people who you know he's just he's been raising money off of this all right. Well, uh, he might be the front runner at the moment, but uh, Jeb Bush was the front runner uh, back in 2016 and see what happened to him. He was done for by Trump. So it depends, I suppose, on the uh, whether people get tired of the Trump rhetoric or whether they get tired of maybe ensuing lawsuits, uh, which will come in some numbers before the end of the year. Uh, but for the moment, Terry, thank you very much for joining us. That's uh, Terry Sheridan, Managing Editor of WSHU Public Radio. Larry Donnelly, listen listening to all of that. You followed much of the coverage until you went to bed, I presume. I did. Yeah, I did. I think one thing that needs to be said is that I think from the point of view of law enforcement, of the Secret Service and of the court system, yesterday, they'll breathe a sigh of relief, I think, after yesterday. It sure. went relatively smoothly. The arraignment was sort of ordinary in the grand yeah. scheme of things. And we didn't have any mass protests. And thank God we didn't have any violent incidents. Okay, so in spite of those uh, like Marjorie Taylor Greene, who would have uh, liked some sort of explosion, I I don't mean that in the literal sense, outside the court, it just didn't happen. No, it didn't. And, and, you know, interesting thing there, just to to note from from Terry's comments, there has been some reportage about, even at the rallies, a little bit of an enthusiasm deficit among some of the Trump diehards. And I think to some extent, that's borne out by uh, Trump saying, look, protest, you need to protest, if you recall, when he announced that he was going Mm. to be arrested. And that really wasn't heeded uh, to the same extent that it might have once been. So, you know, I'm not sure what to, to attribute that to. There also is the, the fact that this happened in New York, uh, a place that an awful lot of Trump supporters would find uh, a place they would never go to. So uh, at any rate, it didn't go as badly as one feared it might have. So uh, from uh, the point of view of law enforcement, yesterday was pretty seamless. I mean, it did disrupt New Yorkers. There's no question about that. But it was seamless and there was yeah, you know, nothing that they can look back on and say, uh, we regret this or that. 
it was fine. Absolutely. But I, I think in the grand scheme of things, you know, the reality is this is the first day uh, in just in this one matter. Um, there are going to be plenty more days like this in connection with all of the pending uh, legal trouble that Donald Trump finds yeah. himself in. And that's why uh, I raised the question, yes, uh, Donald Trump is enjoying a bit of a boon. He's raising money, etc. But I do wonder how tenable and, and how much of a strang stranglehold he'll have have on the lead for as long as this stuff persists and all this stuff swirls in the clouds. And one of the key numbers that needs to be keep repeating is in a CNN poll, 60% of Americans approve of this indictment. Now, that is pretty damning because this indictment, in my view, is a reach. What it demonstrates to me above all is that Donald Trump, when it comes to the general election, he has lost the middle. He has lost that crucial cohort of people who might have taken a punt on him once or even twice. He has lost them. And that makes it very, very difficult for me to conceive of how he makes it back to the so, White so House. So therefore, um, and Republicans are not uh, stupid. Uh, many of them behave stupidly and make stupid statements, but most of them are canny politicians. You don't get elected unless you, you, you have that skill. They must know this in their bones that Trump, the candidate, is not going to win in uh, 2024. Behind closed doors, even leading powerful Republicans who publicly would be quite, if not effusive in their praise of Trump, certainly defensive of him, they know uh, that this is a real big problem. They know that not only could Donald Trump lose the presidency badly, and again, they view Joe Biden as somebody who's vulnerable, not only is Trump probably the one candidate who Biden would definitely beat, they also fear that Donald Trump would exert a severe downward drag on other Republicans all down, down the ticket. All down the ticket. They know this is a huge problem, but at the same same time, their hands are tied because uh, of this one third, and indeed that one third has probably increased a bit. This one third of the Republican Party, who, again, to repeat his own line, Trump could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and they would still be with him every step of the way. They live in fear of these people because they are the grassroots. Now, uh, the Democrats are keeping quiet on, on this particular one. They won't on others, that's for sure. They won't on Georgia. They won't on January 6th. Uh, th those two in particular. Um, but uh, are they hoping by keeping quiet that this will encourage uh, Trump even more and ensure he's on the ticket? Well, I, I think that the, I think that Joe Biden effectively saying nothing about this, and indeed most leading Democrats saying nothing about this, I think that is the wise strategy. Uh, I think it's a wise strategy in particular because uh, I view this as the least dangerous uh, of all of the prosecutions that could be out there for Donald Trump. So I think that they're playing it well. Uh, I think that they will when it comes to... Um, now, obviously, Biden has a bit of a problem on the classified documents issue, uh, but certainly with respect to January 6th, I would expect them uh, to use use that. Yeah. But there is I mean, Biden can't really say anything. No, he, but then Mike Pence was caught with uh, documents. It's inadvertent, I think, in Pence's case, inadvertent probably in Biden's case, not so inadvertent in Trump's case. Well, in the bigger issue, I think, with, with Trump is his obstruction and refusal to be forthcoming after the documents were, you know, the fact that the FBI had to go and get them. But there's another deeper issue here, Pat, which I think it presents a conundrum for Democrats, because some of them would take the view that we've just discussed, that Donald Trump can't win the presidency. And some of them would say almost welcome or be content uh, that he would be the nominee. But at the same time, there's a wariness there that lightning could strike again. And the premier yeah. prospect of Donald Trump getting back to the White House uh, is enough to send chills down the spine of any progressive. Also, the, the destructive he's, uh, effect he's had on the body politic generally in America 
it's been pretty awful. Maybe it's only exposed uh, the cracks that were there, uh, revealed them to the world. But uh, he's been a toxic force. He has indeed. But 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 as as you say, and as we've discussed before, uh, Donald Trump is not the cause of the malaise in the United States. He is merely a symptom of it. And Donald Trump never would have been pro- become president of the United States if the United States wasn't at many levels broken. And you know, I believe the United States can be fixed. Some believe it's irretrievable. It can be fixed. But Donald Trump would never be where he got to. We wouldn't have, be having this discussion if there wasn't major, major, major systemic flaws in the United States right now. Now, you mentioned in passing there that uh, this charge taken by Alvin Bragg against him, 34 felony uh, charges, a bit of overreach. Um, Bragg last night in his press conference was uh, really linking all of this, not to just ordinary white collar crime, but the undermining of the electoral process. I mean, if these convictions actually hold and he was convicted, it would actually undermine the legitimacy of the 2016 election. It could, yeah. It's it's it certainly would, and uh, you know, look, you know, there's a hundred potentially Trump if he was convicted on all these counts, he could serve 134 years in prison. Now that's that's unlikely to happen, uh, but still, look, this, you know, again, because he won, it makes it all that it heightens it more. But this has been tried in broadly similar circumstances before with respect to John Edwards, who was a Democratic candidate for president, uh, and that you know that went nowhere. That prosecuted the, the jury acquitted uh, him very quickly on all counts, but the. The, the bigger one of the bigger issues here is that look, this is a legal theory that's that's a difficult one. But there's also a statute of limitations issue here. Uh, there's also a, a venue issue here. Trump's going to try to seek to get this out of here. But the statute stopped, did it not, when he became president? It also stopped when he's out of uh, New York as his residency. He's now in Florida, and Governor Cuomo also paused it during the pandemic. Yeah, the, now the the statute issue I think is is debatable, and this is the thing. Uh, for Trump's lawyers, they can make it. They can file, and I expect they will file a motion to dismo- dismiss this as time barred. But what they can then do is, if they lose, they can appeal that all the way up. Yeah. Uh, so this could be dragged out for an awful long time. Yeah. Sure, but the next hearing is not due until December anyway. Yeah. In the meantime, you would expect. Uh, action by the Department of Justice on January the 6th. You'd expect uh, action by the FBI and the documents. You'd expect action in Georgia from the district attorney there, the racist district attorney, as uh, Trump described her. Uh, So there may be, I mean, this may have just been the, the plug taken out of the dam that unleashes the flood. Absolutely. I mean, this could instigate further action. This could instigate the speed with which these investigations are proceeding. We could hear an announcement uh, imminently from George as to what's had to happen there. In, in other words, once the precedent has been established by someone else, mm. Alvin Bragg, that others may feel, well, uh, we're not making history anymore. Let's just do it. Yeah. And the one, to be frank, uh, the one that I think is most dangerous for Trump uh, relates to the documents and the obstruction and the lying and everything else in terms of a straightforward would uh, criminal prosecution without potential defenses like the First Amendment, which would lurk in January 6th, etc. I think the documents presents the biggest problem for Trump. Um, what about those around him? I mean, Michael Cohen will eventually get to testify if the current case uh, goes all the way. Stormy Daniels, um, I think that remark she made, you know, was she afraid of Donald Trump? 
and she said, well, when you've seen Donald Trump naked, uh, how could him wearing a suit be more scary than that? <laughs> so if it does get to court, it's going to be box office stuff. Yeah, I mean, before I address the question, I suppose I just, you know, you, you don't know whether to laugh or cry when, you know, especially somebody born and raised and educated in the United States where we're taught to revere our institutions, including yeah. the presidency, that we've reached this extreme low point and all this tawdry stuff is there. But on the serious point, I mean, this is another problem for D.A. Bragg is that, you know, two of the witnesses who potentially, you know, the prosecution will be depending on uh, are Michael Cohen and Stormy Daniels. And I think their credibility uh, is pretty sure. easily assailable. And, and that's what they will do. But this is a long way down the road. It's a, lo- it's a long way down the road. And as you say, the other clouds swirling are, are you know, are what a, a bigger problem for Trump, both legally and crucially politically. And this is what to watch for. We, you know, some people are saying this has got Trump to the nomination. This is it. This is it. I'm not so sure. I think that in time, as this all continues to play out, wait, wait and see if support does ebb away from the, from the former president. Mm-hmm. That's what is to watch for. Just listening to the the bit of Mar-a-Lago that we played and some other bits that I've already heard, I mean, you have to question, is he a well man at all? Yeah, certainly. I mean, the the rambling speech in, in Mar-a-Lago and certainly some of the, the language he used uh, about uh, the judge and the language he used even about the judge's family uh, was in direct contravention of the judge's warning to him. Now, the judge could very easily, based on what I heard there and based on what the, he had been warned, uh, he's almost daring the judge to hold him in contempt. So Donald Trump had better watch his step on that. And as you say, that, might, that language might play to his most rabid following. But remember, even to win the the Republican nomination. He needs to win over some people who aren't in that one third core grouping who will be with him no matter what. He needs to, the base needs to be broader than that. Now, some of those people have drifted his way for now because they see this as a witch hunt. Whether they'll stay once we have the documents, once we have January 6th, once we have Georgia, that's an open question. Mm. Now, we know Mitch McConnell had to fall. Um, uh, I think he's had a sequence of falls. Uh, he's been very quiet. Yeah, he hasn't said anything. He's he's off the stage, and I think look, Trump see uh, Trump almost sees McConnell as a useful bogeyman for his point of view. I mean, Trump has said some very nasty things uh, about McConnell. About McConnell, I think McConnell is wise uh, to keep his powder dry and stay out of it. And I think, believe you me, what they are all waiting for behind closed doors is is there going to be something that takes this guy out? Because nobody wants Trump gone and off the scene more than leading Republicans because they know the danger he presents to them uh, as a party uh, in 2024. And again, 2024 is an election. They think they can beat Biden because of all his vulnerabilities. They think it should be a good election for them. The one, the biggest obstacle to that is Donald Trump. Larry Donnelly, law lecturer with the University of Galway, columnist with the journal.ie. Thank you very much for joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.